Hello and welcome to Sermons by the Park, the weekly sermon podcast of Union Congregational Church in East Walpole, Massachusetts. At Union, we believe in the radical welcome of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Word of God to inspire and transform us. We're happy to share that message with you wherever you are on life's journey. Now here's this week's message. The scripture reading this morning is taken from Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harashihagoyim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly for 20 years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess wife of Lapidote, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinom, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take position at Mount Tabor, bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet with you by the water Kishon, with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory for the Lord. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hand of a woman. May God add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. The rest of the story is embedded in the sermon, and I need to tell you that Aaron called me yesterday. The entire family is is ill. Uh, some some members more on the mend than others, but hopefully by next Sunday everyone will be re- restored to good form. But he called me with an interesting request, not that I come and preach a sermon that I wrote, but that I come and preach the sermon that he wrote. And I thought, why not? (laughs) Obviously, this sermon means a great deal to him. And he really wants you to hear it. Now, the title of the sermon is When Women Lead. And what you have is a sermon from a man reflecting on women's leadership now being read by a woman. So it's a woman sharing a man's reflection on the leadership of women. So at some points, when I use the pronoun I, think Aaron. (laughs) Okay? Um, But let's, and the rest of the story that we've just begun is embedded in the sermon. 
The book of Judges is not often heard in Sunday worship. In fact, the, packet, the passage you just heard is the only one from the book that appears in the three-year cycle of the Revised Common Lectionary. Judges describes the time after the Israelites settled in the promised land of Canaan. There was no king yet. Instead, when needed, God would raise up a leader, a judge. Some of these judges' names are well-known, like Gideon and Samson. But of all the judges' stories, it is the story of Deborah that those biblical scholars that created the Revised Common Lectionary decided to pick out instead. And you can see why. Deborah is not the only leader of the people. She is a prophet as well, one who speaks the word of God. She is the one in command. Such is her reputation that her general, Barak, will not take on the dangerous assignment she has given him without bringing her power along with him. The entirety of chapter 5 of Judges is her prophetic words, describing the great victory that she foretells to Barak here. Well, all except the last verse of chapter 5, when the narrator returns to tell us, then the land had peace for 40 years. Of all the judges, Deborah is the only one to achieve such success. She is the only leader Israel sees in this period whose legacy is unblemished by some fatal flaw or brazen choice. No wonder this is the story out of all the stories that we should hear. I suppose it is a good thing out of all the judges, the lectionary gives us at least this one story of a powerful woman leader. The truth is, is we don't hear those stories enough. Too often women in the Bible are depicted as one-dimensional. They are wives or widows or another Another W word, which I refer to as women of ill repute. Yet here is Deborah, wife, prophet, judge, leader. If, if the story of Deborah's leadership and her prophetic words to Barak are unfamiliar and infrequently heard, still less well known is how this particular story ends. You may expect that it is Deborah who claims victory over Sisera, since she says the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. But that's not how this story goes. Let's continue to listen for God's word for us today. Then Deborah said to Barak, up! 
for this is the day on which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. The Lord is indeed going out before you. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 warriors following him. And the Lord threw Sisera and all of his chariots and all his army into a panic before Barak. Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. While Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harashet Ha Goim. All the army of Sisera fell by the sword. No one was left. Now, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between King Jabin of Hazor and the clan of Heber and the Kenite. Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord. Turn aside to me. Have no fear. So he turned aside to her in the tent, and she covered him with a rug. Then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. He said to her, stand at the entrance of the tent, and if anybody comes and asks you, is anyone here? Say, no. But Jael, wife of Heber, took a tent peg, and she took a hammer into her hand, and she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went into the ground. He was lying fast asleep from weariness, and he died. Hmm. This is the prophetic word of God to us today. Our normal response is, thanks be to God. Did you see that coming? It is gruesome, I know. Not the kind of thing you usually hear in worship. But then again, tomorrow is Halloween, so if there ever was a time for a slasher story of a scripture passage, it would be now. That's Aaron. That's not me. What good news is there for us in the story of jail? Well, to take a stab at it, Aaron. This reminds me of the story of Mary and Martha. Mary, who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to the teacher while Martha worked away in the kitchen. Here, Judges 4, we again have a story of two women, Deborah, who speaks the word of the Lord, a leader in her way, on the one hand, and on the other hand, Jael, who does the work. 
powerful in her own way as well. I say in her own way because Jael does not do what Barak or the other warriors on the battlefield would do. She is no Xena warrior princess, drawing a sword to hack her enemy to bits. Instead, she uses her status and the expectations of her society to her own advantage. The text describes her providing hospitality to her guest in the way of the customs of the Middle East. She gives him shelter when he requests it. She offers him not just water, but milk to quench his thirst. But what other effect does wrapping him in a warm rug and handing him a cup of warm milk have? It makes him sleepy. He lets his guard down. He becomes easy pickings. Work smarter, not harder. That's one way a woman leads. For the most part, women who lead are far less interested in demonstrating their virility, a word that after all comes from the Latin word vir, meaning man. Women who lead are rather concerned with getting the job done. And Jael does that. She gets it done. Time and again in scripture, it is women who take action to make sure that the will of God comes to fruition. Because the biblical text throws less emphasis upon these moments, giving much more space and the presence to the presence and pronouncements of men, it can be easy to overlook this. Failing to see the vital role of women in scripture, however, has led to a long history in the Christian tradition of failing to recognize the vital role of women in the church, not just as the one-dimensional wives, widows, and other W words, but as leaders. In Jesus' time, it was Martha and Mary and his mother Mary and the other Marys who were workers in the vineyard of Christ and who became apostles sent out to proclaim the gospel. In the early church, it was women like Prisca and Aquila and Lydia who provided material support and leadership to the churches Paul flitted between. Yes, Paul was the great missionary, but without these women, there would have been no mission. Today is Reformation Sunday, the day to celebrate the reforming of the church in the 16th century. Perhaps that word reformation calls to mind images of men in long black robes mm -hmm, and funny hats, none of those today, like Martin Luther, John Calvin, and King Henry VIII. But once again, this was a moment in the unfolding history of the body of Christ in the world 
where women played critical roles. If there was a Deborah of the Reformation, it would have been Marguerite de Navarre, the sister to Francis, to King Francis I, King of France. A contemporary of Luther and Calvin, she was sympathetic to their critiques of the Catholic Church establishment. She was also a friend to Anne Boleyn, the woman who would marry King Henry VIII of England after his unsanctioned divorce sparked the Reformation in England. Marguerite de Navarre used her position and influence to support the cause of Reformation in the hyper-Catholic country of France. She protected Jacques Lefebvre de Table, the first to translate the New Testament out of Latin into French the common language of the people. She used her financial resources to translate and spread the teachings of Luther and Calvin in France, and to support unwed mothers and other social outcasts by establishing orphanages and alms houses. Because what is a theological revolution without social revolution after all? Though like many first-generation reformers, she did not formally break ties with the Catholic Church. Marguerite de Navarre was critical in connecting the dots in that initial period of upheaval that would set the course to the church as we are gathered today. If there was a jail in the Reformation story, perhaps it would have been Marie Dontier, no, she didn't smash any skulls, but she did blow a few minds with her writings. When Luther kicked off the Reformation in 1517 by nailing 95 theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg on All Hallows' Eve, Halloween, Marie Dantier was the abbess of a nunnery in France. But as she read and absorbed the radical critiques of Luther, over the coming years she had a change of heart. She left the nunnery and moved to Strasbourg and eventually to Geneva, where she was outspoken in her support of the Reformation, even as she was a thorn in the side of John Calvin Jean Covin and his colleagues. Marie Dantier had the audacity to call out the misogyny of the reformers, whom even as they sought to throw off the oppressive structure of Catholic hierarchy, still maintained the oppressive hierarchy of men over women. In a letter to Marguerite de Navarre, Dantier wrote this tent peg of a takedown. Even though in all women there have, has been imperfection, men have not been exempt from it. Imperfection. Why is it necessary to criticize women so much, seeing that no woman ever sold or betrayed Jesus, but a man named Judas? Who are they 
I pray you, have, who have invented and contrived so many ceremonies, heresies, and false doctrines on earth, if not men. Therefore, if God has given grace to some good women, revealing to them by his holy scripture something holy and good, should they hesitate to write, speak, and declare it to one another because of the defamers of truth? Ah, it would have been too bold to try to stop them, and it would be too foolish for us to hide the talent that God has given us. God, who will give us the grace to persevere to the end, amen. Amen, indeed. It is good and right and just when women are recognized for their contributions, for their power, for their leadership. Too often, these are misapprehended or misunderstood because our culture teaches us that power looks like men with rippling abs wielding weapons on a battlefield, or that leadership looks like a sharply dressed man speaking confidently to a crowd. But Christ teaches the precise opposite, that strength is found in compassion, and that leadership demands humility. Instead of embracing the power of the world, it is about embracing the power of God, which is given freely to all of us through scripture, through the inspirational lives of those who have come before, through the inspirational spiritual strength of one another here and now. Recognition is only the beginning of respect if a man hears this message and finds himself asking, yes, but what about men? How am I supposed to relate to these stories about women? Then he has recognized, but not respected and honored the power of God at work in them. I think it is wonderful that there are more women leaders, more powerful women to serve as role models for girls today. But part of me is disappoint, disappointed that it is still the case that they are so often seen as role models for girls. Until we teach boys to respect a different embodiment of power and leadership, we will not see the end of toxic masculinity that equates power with physical strength and amassing wealth. And so I hope today that we hear the power of God in these stories of powerful women. And I hope that we are inspired by that legacy, that history, when women lead in the church. And I hope that we are inspired by looking around and seeing that in this church, it is women who lead as well as men. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Thank you for listening. To find out more about Union Congregational Church and our life together, you can visit our website, churchbythepark.org, or find us on social media, at Church by the Park. Until next time, may God's grace and peace be with you.